Oh, good evening, everybody. It is Thursday, February 22nd, and welcome to episode 161 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell, joined by Riley McConnell, as always, and today on our show. Spring training has spun, Riley. We made it. We're through the offseason. Spring is finally here. Pitchers and catchers have settled in. The full team has done their workouts. We got videos of pitchers doing their fielding practice, guys throwing bullpens on the mound. We have quotes. We have it all. Riley, are you excited to see the spring training games get underway this weekend? That's a ridiculous question. You and I are both <laughs> so stoked. It's been a long mm-hmm. winter. Um, the fact that we are just even this close, it's Thursday night. We're talking about, it. uh, it's like pregame jitters. Obviously, Jesse, we're not on the field, but as fans, as content creators, as whatever the heck we even are, like we have more stuff to think about, more stuff to talk about. All we've done is speculate and hypothesize about what's going to happen this season. Well, slow down. We're not at the season yet. We got to see what happens in spring training. There are some things that happen in spring training and you don't even bat an eyelash at. And some things, Jesse, really excite you. It's the, the excitement comes from this. It's baseball season. This mm-hmm. is the time of the year that, you know, probably means, you know, some of the most, most to us, man. And uh, I mean, dude, we're, we're finally here. It's been, it's been a long time. We're going to actually get to talk baseball here shortly and not give you the runaround about, you know, what we think and this and that. Well, we'll still tell you what we think during spring training. Oh, of course. But we get to talk about things that actually happened on the mm-hmm. field and then not things that didn't happen in the front office. Hopefully mm-hmm. our players are a little more exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was a long offseason of just thinking about hypothetical situations. Should the Blue Jays do this? Should they do that? But now we have actual things to read and react to, which is where you and I hit our stride here as a podcast on Buds and Blue Jays. First things first, Riley, the Blue Jays are actually going to be on your television, on your radio, on your headset. I think 27 of the 29 Toronto Blue Jays games will be broadcasted live through Sportsnet and the radio networks with um, all but two of them having stat cast data, which I know I love that we can really dive in and deep to see what the pitches are doing this spring and all that stuff that's going on there. I wanted to start here, and you touched on it, Riley, with the things that matter. And the things that might not matter when you are watching through spring training and look, team record does not matter whatsoever, whether or not the Blue Jays win every single game this spring or whether or not they lose every single game this spring. Do not pay any attention to that. It really does not matter. Most of these games are being played by guys who are going to go to New Hampshire by the end of the game. Anyway, I think what you really want to see is good things from your, um, your star players. You want to see them do good things. You want to see them not take a massive step back. And I guess the number one thing you want to see from all your players is just stay healthy. You can't win a a World Series in February and March, but you could really go a long way to losing one if you have a key injury, Riley. So take it from there. What is something you really want to see this spring? I think, Jesse, you said it um, more more important than anything, man. And and this this goes with, you know, uh, star players are probably, you know, most going to affect the team the most, but even the the Mm -hmm. minor league depth, and that's, that's injuries, man. Um, I think we let off last year and the year before the same way. Like it's about playing good baseball. You want to get your reps in pitchers want to throw innings. You want to reach your pitch limit and, you know, have success against, you know, a mixed bag of hitters at the dish. But at the same time too, um, these games don't matter. Uh, We're going to play a lot. There's a lot of spring training games. I love baseball preseason. 
it it mm-hmm. actually it actually matters in a sense for the players can really help a young player develop very quickly and you're going to see a lot of that and for the veterans it's some good rest but you're going to see them get their reps in you know just to stay warm Jesse at the end of the day um we walk out of here and we have a close to 500 record and you know we see some good things out of our star players we see some improvements out of players that need them and in a healthy lineup going into the season that's that's an that's a 100% win more than anything yep. you, you see some improvements you see guys stay healthy that's that's what i want to see man of course there are specifics on players that i'm i'll be looking for and that i want to see but as a team as as the blue jays roster will go into this year depends on you know, if a guy's not playing well and gets cuts from the roster, that's one thing. But we can't afford a big, you know, 90-day stint on the injury list or 60 days. Mm-hmm. We just need we just need our guys to be healthy to start the year. Right. Or like Marcus Stroman when he got hurt in spring training in 2015. Or Michael Saunders had a pretty big spring training inju- uh, injury as well. Just avoid those big ones and we will be okay. The things I don't really care about in spring training that most baseball fans would – I do not care what your batting average is this spring. I do not care how many times you strike out. As long as you're putting together good competitive at-bats. What I do look for in spring training and the things I pay attention to, um, mostly on the stat side, the only thing that really matters to me is what is your walk to strikeout rate as a hitter and a pitcher? Because usually it takes about 60 plate appearances or so on either side for that stat to stabilize. So if a player does make a drastic change in their their profile, for example, and they want to walk more, usually about 60 ABs, you can get a general sense on how that's going to go. And I want to listen more about what the players are actually saying and what um, the beat writers are writing about. Because those things I feel like matter so much more, the process, the all that thing, than what is actually going on at the plate. So Riley, um, I have a bunch of quotes that I'm going to share later in the episode. We'll talk about them and we'll react to all them here. But uh, is there something specific? Maybe here we can even get into an individual player that you're really watching for this spring training. So it's interesting you brought up, and I totally agree with you, Jesse, is that, you know, uh, as far as plate appearances go, uh, if you see a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Alejandro Kirk have a negative walk strikeout ratio, mm-hmm. I think that's that's maybe maybe it's not the end of the world. But you would prefer to see a guy if they draw nine walks, they only strike out four or five times. That's an insanely good ratio. Yeah. And I want to throw it on the pitching side as well to start this. Um, If you're asking for what I'm looking specifically. So if you want to talk about hitters having that good positive ratio, I want to talk about pitchers, our pitchers having that same kind of success. And right off the bat, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to hold anything back. Talk about strikeouts to walks talking about Alec Manoa right off the back, right, right, right off the get go. Is he going to go out there in his first performance and in three and two thirds, walk four hitters and strike out one and whatever earned runs. Hey, if he gets lit up for a grand slam, if three of those base runners or two of them via the, via the walk, that's horrible. And that's going to come back to bite you in the regular season. Anyways, solo shots won't kill you, but we've seen Manoa get burned on the long ball. Anyways, that was, mm-hmm. that was, you know, happened kind of earlier in his career. Anyways, he, you know, maybe got into some long ball problems, but now we get into the, the walks that were happening last year and the lack of, the strikeout. I mean, he was a guy who, you know, was maybe close to a strikeout an inning. And then last year that was all by the wayside and the walk skyrocketed. So what I want to see out of Alec Manoa 
is just gain control of the plate, man. I mean, it's it's so much easier said than done. Obviously, he's put in the work. It would be a shame if if it didn't happen. But at the same time, too, if he's facing the the Tigers AAA team, the Toledo Mudheads, seven out of nine guys are going to play in AAA. That is a situation where Alec Manoa should be able to take over. He's obviously mm-hmm. spring training. He's probably not going to go seven innings. But let, let's look at four innings of that performance. And if you see him walk a batter an inning, that's still not very good. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the and the thing I, with Alec Manoa, oh, it is, is like we going to be oh, all go eyes ahead, on. Yeah, sorry. It's going to be all eyes on Manoa, man. Like, he just can't be walking hitters. It's really going to bite him. And he'll get cut from the roster. He won't get cut. He'll get sent down. And and it'll be 2023 all over again. The thing with Alec Manoa, we should actually be able to tell very early on whether or not that stuff is back, whether or not he's able to locate in the pitches in the strike zone, whether or not that fastball velocity comes back, and whether or not that slider is moving. Things we talked about all offseason that we really wanted to see from Alec Manoa. Reports out of bullpen camps, Riley, and I'll take this for whatever it's worth, but it seems like that fastball is up to about 92-93. He averaged 93.7 in 2021. 2022, it was 93.9. Last year, it fell all the way down to 87, 88. I remember him throwing in the high 80s in St. Louis, and that just wasn't good enough. And he got ripped. He got tore apart. He's down a bunch of weight. He's sitting like 92, 93. If that vertical break on that slider is there and he can command it, I think this, well, I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but I do think some very good things could happen for Alec Manoa, and he could take that fifth starter's job, and he could absolutely run with it. I think that that is the best case scenario. And I think there's a good mm-hmm. chance it happens. I want to talk about the positives because if things are going well for Manoa and he does slot into that role very nicely and he pitches like the pitcher, maybe not that he was, but a fraction of that and some games where he really goes deep into those ball games, dices up some batters and, you know, basically maybe even saves the, the bullpen. Uh, I think it's important for your bullpen too. We have a great bullpen, but if a if yep. a pitcher if a starter can go seven innings, man, and it's a four game series, I mean, all the better, right? And Alec Manoa, there was a time where he he did that well. Last year wasn't that year. It's it's so hard to predict these things, and especially with Alec Manoa, because we have clearly seen him pitch as a like the award says, Cy Young. He finished third, top three pitcher in the American League. And I mm-hmm. think he probably was the worst qualified starter in all of baseball in many yes, categories. In many <laughs> categories. Overall, probably. It's just it's just going to be a nail biter before he even throws that first pitch in spring training. All eyes are going to be on him. He knows this. He needs to perform and he will be a great fifth starter. Because if we were talking, you know, when he finished, when in 2022, if we were to talk about him as a fifth starter, it sounds ridiculous. But it's, it, we're two years removed from that start of the year. And, mm-hmm. you know, here we are talking about kind of his redemption year. And I would love to see that, man. My, my hopes aren't the highest. I mean, there's still a chance it could go either way. I'm so on the fence with it, man. It's, it's nerve wracking. We have four great starting pitchers and a guy who could, possibly, you know, qualify in the top 10 in Cy Young voting if he's if he's on. I doubt it happens this yeah. year, 
but he's got mm. a long way to go. The first time we see Alec Manoa take a mound in spring training, it's going to be must-watch television. Whether or not he's dominant or whether or not he gets hit around, it is going to be wild, and I'm sure you and I are going to have our takes, and I'm sure a lot of Blue Jays fans out there altogether will have their takes because it's true. Alec Manoa and how good he is this year is going to go a long way to determining how good the Toronto Blue Jays are this year. Riley, I want to talk about another player that has really caught my eye this spring, or a player that I really want to pay attention to, and that's George Springer. Now, John Schneider made some comments about George Springer today, and he even said, like, George Springer is going to be the force again at the top of the lineup, which sounds great. We've talked about George Springer a lot this offseason, and maybe things starting to kind of decline from George, going from a high, like, 120s WRC plus down to 104 last year. He made some comments to the media today, and one of the comments is uh, John Schneider made is for George in 2024, we want to get him back to doing the things he does well, and what he's great at is pulling the ball, hitting it in the air, with authority, which is something we've talked about all season, which is how the Toronto Blue Jays can get more power out of their hitters. George Springer is one of the best power hitting leadoff men the game has ever seen. And when he is right and he is on, the Blue Jays are going to be right and they are going to be on. So if he can do that and really maximize his power output, I think it'll go a long way to determining how well the uh, Toronto Blue Jays offense as a whole goes. And I think it starts this spring from George Springer. Well, he's the highest paid player on the team. I don't know what he's making. I think it's around 24 million bucks. And yeah, him, Bassett, Gosman, they're all up there. To me, to me, George Springer isn't probably the best choice for a leadoff hitter, but this is where barbaric baseball takes into play. I'm a fan <laughs> of it. I love old school mentality. He was elite when he was a leadoff hitter with the Astros. I did not think he was a leadoff hitter. Whatever. He's he's had success. He has the second most leadoff home runs behind a guy who led off for 22 years in Ricky Henderson. He could have played 23 years. I don't know. Um, George Springer is a player that we need to be very good this year. We can't afford that decline to happen quickly. Yeah. We I mean, need one more elite season from George Springer. We, we did a great job, I think, the, the coaching staff and the managerial staff to move him to the corner field. I think that really helped. Um, mm -hmm. and in, in the days at DH and whatever else, cause he's not, he's, I mean, him and Kiermaier are going to, are going to ride the pine in spring training and you, you're probably going to see them used early in the year, but I think, you know, they're going to be everyday players, but their off days are going to come more and more frequently. And you'll see George Springer get a lot of those days at designated hitter, depending on the matchup, depending on how the roster's looking at that specific time. But if we're going to have George Springer as a leadoff hitter, my thought of a leadoff hitter is this is the guy on your team that, and I don't care what decade we're talking about here. Like, the two, you said it to me because you fixed me out of my my old ways. Like your two hole hitter is your best power hitter. He's gonna do the, you know, he's gonna basically have your best OPS. He's gonna hit the most home runs because he's gonna he gets more at bats in the two spot than he does four. And I go great, correct. So if he's not hitting first, then our the leadoff hitter on any team has got to be the guy either with the best batting average, the best on base, the guy who's getting on base more often than not. And from what I saw last year, there was better options than George Springer. Because it's not like he's a leadoff hitter that swipes 40 bases. I know, hey, that the bigger bags in the pitch clock really helped him. Hey, went 2020 oh, last year. That's And that's fantastic, man. But the batting average wasn't exactly the highest. And the it's not like the walk rate was 
was, you know, screaming ceiling. Like that was one of George Springer's lower end years as far as the walks to strikeouts. I mean, hey, if he goes out there and he can, if he can preserve that and he has a slightly better year than last year, that's, I want to say that's a win for us because I don't think we're going to get a 2020 year from George Springer going ahead. We could see, could see 19 stolen bases, 19 home runs around that kind of margin. You're going to see high teens in both categories, no matter what, but I want to see like a 285 batting average. I want to mm-hmm. see an on base um, in the three sixties, three seventies, man. I, I, like and I, that's, think, I think that's what we need from our. And I think all that starts though with George Springer taking a different approach at the plate, getting there and pulling the baseball, and then he can be this high impact piece. Look, um, I don't care about batting order much in the spring. The first inning of a ball game is the only inning you can guarantee your hitters hit in a certain spot. Like after that, it's it's all random. Um, but you're the more higher up you hit in the order, the more at bats you get over the consistency of the season. Like George Springer led the Blue Jays in at bats last year, and if he's hitting. Um, in the top of the order, he's going to do it again. And if the guy's going to get the most at bats, don't you want the most impact player getting those at bats? Right. And that's kind of why I want to see George Springer get better, or we do run the risk of him moving down. But if he's moving down into the lineup because of performance issues, then we have a bigger problem on our hands than just that. Then we really need a high impact George Springer. Anyways, we'll talk about him more in our X X factors episode, Riley. um, What's another storyline or another player you are interested in seeing this spring? That's an awfully good one, and we're going to roll right into um, another guy who's going to be watched at a lot. I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is -hmm. an interesting case. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that he had a pretty good spring last year, and he was crushing baseballs, and... There was there was a lot of good home runs and uh, like let's just let's just say it Jesse we talked about this a ton um anytime we in the last 365 days we've talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr um it's it's about the launch angle there's no doubt that he mm-hmm. is in the top 1% for for how hard he can hit a baseball um but i mean a lot of double plays a lot of it's not like the plate discipline was extraordinary. I mean, he I think he struck out 100 times last year, which isn't a lot. Don't get me wrong. Hey, if a guy hits 26 home runs and strikes out 100 times, that's pretty good. I think the batting average wasn't as high, but we're talking about a guy over the past three seasons, taking in 2021, 2022, 2023, all those years, just, there's just been a slight decline that if you look at that gap, it looks like a huge decline. It looks like a th- it looks like a guy who is age 35, 36, 37. I'm sure if you looked on a lot of those players' baseball reference pages, you would see declines like that out of guys from their mid-30s going into their late 30s. Yeah, n- not the guys this, in their mid-20s, right? This is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is a guy who basically has his whole career ahead of him, and it's time. Um, it's, it's, it's time for him to put up those numbers because we have invested a lot into this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been the talk of Canadian baseball since he was signed as an international prospect. He's the son of a hall of famer. The pet couldn't be better. Jesse, you love the 80 grade tool hitting, you know, we know the story about him. Got out of shape, third base to first base, gold glove defense. Fine. Don't care about defense at first base. I want a I want a first baseman, Jesse, 
that gives me 40 home runs. That's what I want from my first baseman. Uh, if he hits 280, and he's going to draw walks this year. I, I I know the walks were down oh, yeah. last year. Swing and miss, whatever. I think I think that projections has him for below 100 strikeouts. If that happens, that's great. In the spring, what I want to see from this guy, Jesse, is for him maybe to just tinker with some things. Not so much that it throws him off, but try and hit those balls into the seats because we're going to yeah. need that. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has actually talked a pretty big game this offseason. Remember, he's going to be the MLB The Show cover boy with that, too. And he talked a lot about how he really wants to put things up. Remember a few years ago, I think it was 2022, the whole last season was the trailer. This year, you're going to get the movie. And the movie kind of sucked, to be honest. Um, he has talked a lot of game. And for what it's worth here... Um, he did say he feels closer to his 2021 form physically and mentally and wants to re replicate that mentality by not focusing on the numbers too much. You know, he wanted to get through the offseason. He's being very healthy. And uh, no one has as much talent in the game as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Remember, Don Mattingly found a bug in his swing and he tried to get him to fix it. And Vlad was just kind of stubborn and didn't do that. We can't have that from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year. He needs to be bought in to what the coaching staff is telling him and let the team play and go. And if we get some of that this spring, then look out rest of American league. Cause that MVP trophy could be in Vlad's hands by the end of the year. Well, I hope, I hope surely that at least once in his career, um, as a blue Jay, it will be, we, we are due for an MVP. If not next year, mm -hmm. that would be great. That would be a 10, 10 year gap between MVPs. Obviously the Jays don't have a lot of those. Um, but Vlad is the guy let's be honest. I mean, we saw what he did at his very best. And at that point, Jesse, we were thinking the same thing. Surely it can only go up from here. I don't yeah. know if we'll get a season like that. If Flatty does not eclipse 48 home runs in his career, surely he is going to be a better bat-to-ball hitter. I want to see one or the other rise. I, I, I don't know what changes in his swing he's going to have to make, but there is a world where Flatty is a 50 home run hitter, and in another world... There's a, a, a there's a, a career 310 batting average, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., with a ton of doubles that are laced on a low launch angle to the left center field wall that he's he's making up and he's driving in runs in, in any of those worlds. Probably playing first base in both of them. I can't see him going back to third, but that's neither here nor there. I want to see him take some good swings in spring training and mm -hmm. and, and work on that launch angle. Right. And I can't believe we've waited this long to talk about, say, Ricky Tiedemann and the rest of the starting rotation. But let's address the comment here um, from our friend Taylor, who says, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa might be the worst signing of all offseason with no Jays bias. And if you look at some of the contracts, some of the third basemen have been getting around Major League Baseball. I think, um, oh, who was it just signed? in? Oh, um, Gio Urshela just signed for $1.5 in uh, Detroit. And he's here. We're paying nine-some million for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Like, it doesn't look good. Unless we are paying so much for defense and a little bit of versatility, it seems wild that the Blue Jays have chose to spend this much of their money on um, on literally just a guy who can play defense and can't hit worth shit to stand out there and play there for two years even and to spend the majority of your budget on that. We talked a lot of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa when it happened. We thought it was an overpay at the time. I think we still think it is an overpay at the time, but... Uh, Specifically on Isaiah kind of Falefa Riley, is there anything you want to see from him specifically this spring? I, I don't even think I'll be watching much of of him to be honest. <laughs> yeah, okay, <with> <laughs> I don't. Uh, I I don't. I I like. 
Where does a player get his gold glove? He got it in the COVID shortened season, right? I think that's yeah. great. Like, I'm not watching defense. Defense for is a timely thing. Um, we're looking at a guy. If if you if you see a Relvis Martinez go out there and make um, four errors in in four games at second base, I think we pay attention to that. I'm not yes, looking agreed. at. You're gonna. I'm sure Jesse. There's probably gonna be a highlight reel catch that I will forget about by June. Because it's not in the regular season. It's if, Even if it saves a game, it's not saving a game that matters. For right. me, Isaiah Kainafalefa is an overpaid defensive replacement. I mean, even as a utility guy off the bench, um, he's he's really not a threat at the plate. I know it, we have when it, when it comes down to who's a better option, and we're talking about two right-handed bats, when we're talking about Espinal and Isaiah Kainafalefa, and Espinal is your first option out of two guys. I think you kind of have a problem there in a pinch hitting situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do, however, I do want to add that there were two two cases this year where Espinal was very clutch in a late inning pitch hit, pinch hit situation. Mm-hmm. I think I I think overall, uh, Espinal probably not your best first choice, but we seem to be going defense first again. I don't have a problem with that, but I would really like to have it back with some offense. IKF, not going to give you that. Yeah, and I do not see a world, even if he hits his 90th percentile outcome, where Isaiah Kainer-Falefa is even a league average bat. It's, I don't know, it's tough to see. Um, We're with you there. We'll pay attention to the rest of the middle infielders. I think limiting his at-bats is going to be key. Well, it'll be a story to follow early in the season, but let's talk about the pitching side, Riley, and particularly the guys on the back end. We know our five starters, particularly the guys, especially the guy we're going to see on Saturday take the mound. That is Ricky Tiedemann. He's going to be followed up by Chad Dallas, a guy who pitched for the Buffalo Bisons quite a bit last year. John Schneider has talked him up as well. Very excited to see what we're going to get him. Game two is going to be Bowden Francis, and then we will have um, Mitch White as well. I'm very curious to see what Mitch White can deliver, especially because he's likely going to be on this team in the bullpen going into the full season. Um, Ricky Tiedemann, Riley, I, I know we're excited to see him. He was the talk of last spring when he struck out guys. He went to the Arizona Fall League. I think it's noteworthy, too, that the Blue Jays are giving him the very first start here in spring training, particularly because they might try to limit his innings this year. I think this is a testament to trying to get him built up quicker than the rest of the starting rotation, and throwing him out here on the very first day is going to be interesting to see that. What are you looking to see from the young lefty phenom and his start on Saturday? I I really want to see consistency. I really Mm -hmm. want to see him go out there and throw and throw competitive pitches, not overthink things, not overthrow the ball. Um, It really depends on his mentality going in. Is he going to try? Is he going to overthrow because he's trying to make this roster or is he just going to go out there and do Ricky Tiedemann things, which Jesse, since he's really made the step above single A, well, but even when he was in the lower minor league systems, he was doing amazing things. Um, he is a guy who has not had a hitch yet, minus an injury. But performance-wise, this guy has not had a hitch yet in his minor league career. I think that's important to note, too. I ha- He hasn't been hit around a ton of times. Is, is this spring training going to be a real eye-opener? Or are we going to talk of the town being, oh, Ricky Tiedemann should be on this rotation. He should be a spot out of the bullpen. I I really hope, uh, here's the thing. We're going to see him in the spring more than once. 
what kind of yeah. consistency are we going to get? Because as a veteran, we don't care about the consistency as much. If Gosman goes out and gives us three scoreless, but then gives us, uh, you know, four runs over three innings, we're like, that's Kevin Gosman. Ricky Tiedemann obviously has not pitched an inning in MLB regular season play. He's going to get a taste of spring training. I really hope that there's consistency over the appearances that he has. Jesse, he's a weapon. He is our number one prospect. I want to see him on this team as bad as you do, but I also don't want to see him get roughed up and ruined and right. and maybe and maybe get hit up and 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 lose some of that progression. The Blue Jays have um have taken a a weird path with their pitching prospects over the years. Um, Alec Manoa is, I guess, an exception because he was dominant right from his rookie season until last year. But Nate Pearson, for example, you could make the argument the Blue Jays kind of destroyed his uh, reputation. He was one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. The Jays have had others. Um, for me, for Ricky Tiedemann, because we know he's going to have an innings limit this year, because I think he only threw 62 innings between his time in the minors and in the Arizona Fall Leagues this year. The Blue Jays do have an inning cap for him. They won't tell us what it is. And if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays, I almost want to push that to later in the season when we're making our postseason push or say Alec Manoa isn't effective. Say Jose Brios takes a step back or say Kevin Gosman, knock on wood, really don't hope this doesn't happen, but say he gets hurt and has to go on the IL, then you have a Ricky Tiedemann who's ready to go in, step up and dominate. And then you can put him in a weapon in the postseason. I'd really like that for Ricky Tiedemann. Look, if he's good this spring and he is dominating, there's going to be buzz to get him on this team to get him going. But I think you're right, Riley. We need to be very careful because this guy could be very special. But man, if he's good, I'd, I'd rather see those innings in Toronto than I would in Buffalo. I I agree, I agree with you. It's really hard to know a young starting pitcher, like where you, where you give him those innings. Has he proven it at the minor league level? Is he ready for that cut? I honestly think for him, these spring training games mean a ton. And and they yes, and they really they do. he's gonna do. get a, he's gonna get an extremely good look. I mean, why would we waste it, Jesse? I think you told me last time we we did this last Thursday. Who hoards their prospects more than more than any team in the Blue Jays? Oh, yeah, got the Blue Jays both. do. Yep. Why? And I am a big fan of if the guy's good. We're in a generation of ball players now where Acuna Young wins an MVP. Vladdy was close. Like the young players are better than mm -hmm. they ever have been in Major League Baseball. The, I mean, it used to be a time where a guy wins an MVP at age 33, 31. Now that's kind of gone by the wayside. This is a young man's game right now. If Ricky Tiedemann is kicking it, and 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 it is, and if it is the time, because I'm not sold on it yet, I would love to see it. I just don't want to see the kid get ruined. I'm with you. It'll be very exciting to watch too. I have a quote here from Chris Bassett, who was walking around and watching Ricky Tiedemann and watching Bowden Francis. And he loves what he says. Now, of course he's going to pump up his teammates, but he said something along the lines of, we have seven guys who could be a number one starter on this team. And that's showing some love to Bowden Francis and showing love to Ricky Tiedemann and all that stuff there. So maybe the pitching depth we thought might've been an issue early on in this off season, maybe isn't as bad as we think for this Toronto Blue Jays team. So I want to mention that. Riley, just some other players, very minor, I'm paying attention to this spring. One is Alejandro Kirk. Will he ever hit the baseball hard again? I want to see it. I want to see some good exit uh, velocity numbers off the bat of Alejandro Kirk. That might go into the season. Um, Kevin Biggio is dealing with a little bit of a shoulder issue, so we might not see a lot of him, at least early in the spring training. And I want to see how he comes on and how he can react from that. 
Um, I want to see how the how Davis Schneider will look against fastballs because he's a big question mark. He could either be amazing or he could be strikeout prone and back to Buffalo by the midseason. We don't know. And then some of the bullpen or some of the bullpen guys, and I'm going to include Yariel Rodriguez in this, who we just saw come over. Remember, he just pitched in the World Baseball Classic last year and didn't pitch at all. So how he looks, how his stuff goes is going to be very important. And then some of the bullpen guys, particularly the guys that are going to be on the outside looking in, like Brandon Littell, who we got from the Cubs, who's a lefty there. If something were to happen to Tim Meza, he could have a route. Um, I want to see how Nate Pearson looks, obviously. I want to see Zach Pop. I want to see Yasver Zuleta, Hagen Danner, how he's recovering from injuries. TJ Brock is one of the prospects I like, who's a big uh, relief arm. I want to see how these guys look in spring in their short time we get to see if they if we can rely on them at some point during the season to come up and pitch in our bullpen. Yeah. I, I like those bullpen. I think Rodriguez is going to get a, a great look as, as well. Um, well, you, you mentioned him, but I think that he's going to get probably the heaviest workload, especially with, that he hasn't pitched since the world baseball classic. I like Zach pop probably the most out of, mm-hmm. you know, not our traditional 26 man, a guy who could make the team. I like a good velocity sinker baller. Jesse, there's a lot. And I mean, I'll throw out there a couple names myself. Like, I want to see yep. what Spencer Horowitz can do. And Addison yes. Bart and Addison Barger, yep. of course, he was phenomenal. Aralvis Martinez at that too. Like, Aralvis, there's a lot going on. Aralvis Martinez, I, I like there is a non-zero chance. He has a non-zero chance of, of making this ball club. I think that it's gonna he's gonna have to do a lot to do that. Same with Barger. Um, Spencer Horowitz is fun and I really like the left-handed option. I like mm-hmm. the fact that he's a left-handed bat. I think that's important. And, you know, as far as the really young, you know, relief pitchers and low quality starting pitchers like Hagen Danner. Yeah, that's fun. I think he's thrown a third of the MLB career. I mean, he's got a ways to go. He's an option. Uh, Brock as well. I mean, they're young guys. There's a lot of veteran presence in this bullpen already. Like you said, our our setup closer, our Tim May, like there's some guys that are probably making this team regardless if they have a seven and a half ERA. Yeah. And then there's some guys that are going to have to perform to get on this roster. So it's going to be interesting what we actually decide to go with. And I think there's probably going to be a sneaky position player on the uh, on the roster. I think there's a lot of guys with a legitimate chance. I do like Barger. I do like Horowitz. Um, and Cam Eden, of course, I love a guy yep. with some speed. Don't, yeah, the, don't forget the outfield t- the prospects Blue, we have here as Blue well. Blue Jays yeah. don't have a ton of speed. And, I mean, Cam Eden did okay. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not he's not a spectacular hitter, but I like a guy who can run the base as well. Always important late games in a pinch run situation. I think small ball. I know that's not a big, big thing nowadays. But uh, we got a, a lot of young guys. And I think you're going to see a surprise on the 26th man to start the year. It's going to come down to performance in spring, though. Yep. Just some last notes on spring training. Olavis Martinez looks like he's going to transition full-time into a second baseman. So just another player in that little infield mix we've talked about. And there are some Blue Jays who are adding new pitches this year, which remember, Yusei Kikuchi added that curveball last year, and it was very good for him in getting his season turned around. So two ones to note. The first one is Alec Manoa is adding a cutter, which... Which I, I I don't know. I want to see that slider sinker combo, but if the cutter works and it's effective, then great from Alec Manoa. That's all I care about. And the one I'm really excited about is Nate Pearson is adding a splitter to his repertoire, which I think will go really well for Nate Pearson. Any excitement on any of those, or can we just we'll wait and see what it looks like in spring before we make any decisions? I'm not getting excited over a pitcher throwing a new pitch until I know yeah, it's okay. Uh, until I know it's effective. 
I don't want to probably see a safe call. I don't yeah. want to see a spiked ball six feet before home plate or, or some wild thing from big league going right to the backstop. You know, I want, I want to see effective pitching. It's important, you know, to keep things fresh. Thank you, Teresa. I appreciate that. <laughs> Boomer Riley is striking again. Yeah. <laughs> Remember small ball reigns supreme. Not everyone can hit home <laughs> runs like Jesse Burrell. Chicks dig the long ball, Riley. Isn't that what you're always taught? Well, that's, Hey, I guess so, man. I guess that's, I mm. guess that's why you make out better than I do in the ladies department. Right. Mm. I, uh, no complaints there, my guy. But anyways, back to the Toronto Blue Jays here. Um, we did make two free agent signings since we last recorded and we should touch on them here. The first one is the Blue Jays, I guess, re-signed because he was on his team in uh, the COVID year. We re-signed Daniel Vogelbach, big lad, big guy, lefty, um, for what it's worth. He controls the strike zone well, and the dude can hit homers. Great. Sounds like perfect. Uh, the Blue Jays need, and the Blue Jays also signed Eduardo Escobar. He um, was pretty good for years in the Mets and with the Brewers, and then um, he was really not good at all last year. But hey, he can hit lefties well. He could be a bench op- option. He was kind of in the mold I was thinking when the Blue Jays were. I wanted them to sign Evan Longoria, a guy who can sit at third base and play well until he can move to the bench when one of these prospects is ready to come up. But do you have a thought, Riley, on Daniel Vogelbach, Eduardo Escobar? Are they going to be impact players on this team, or are we going to see him maybe cut sooner rather than later? If we got Eduardo Escobar in 2019, I'd be screaming. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he had a great. I think he had a great year, All Star appearance. But other than that, he's been very league average. And I think the sure. last couple of years he has not been league average. Mm-hmm. Vogelbach has is 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 a fun case. He's a fun guy. Everyone, hey. You know what? Basically, everyone lo- loves the big guys. Rowdy Telez, people liked him. Well, yep. if you don't know what Vogelbach looked like, picture Rowdy Telez beardless, but <laughs> Rowdy Telez basically ate himself and formed <laughs> a double version of himself um, and hits the baseball less often, but twice as far. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what you look like, man. As long as you can hit a baseball well, I'm in. Oh, he can hit a baseball well, but it's how often. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting yeah. pick. Listen, I I don't know. There is a world where, where Daniel Vogelbach is a 200 home run hitter over his career because I don't think he has the longevity to kick it. He hasn't got the plate appearances over his career. Um, I, I don't think he's given, you know, a real great opportunity. And he's not an everyday player. Like, he's just simply not an everyday player. He's a DH versus right-handed pitching. I don't think he can hit a curveball off the left-handed pitcher. And I, I, I like the option that is there. It adds some really important depth to this organization. I would love to see I, – I, I really don't care what Vogelbach does. I think there's some home runs at the major leagues left in his career. I really kind of want to see Eduardo Escobar become the third base of this Blue Jays team. Sure, um, yep. At his very best, he could be very good. I, I don't think there's a world where he's a 30 home run hitter anymore. I don't think the world there's a world where he's a 280s average hitter. Jesse, I asked you what you thought of about his defense. You said it was probably below league average. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree now. Yep. So we're going to get at the best, I think, if he is our starting second baseman, we're going to get a guy who's got a lower wins above replacement than Matt Chapman at the end of yeah, the day. Which- which is tough because Batch Chapman, aside from his great April, was pretty mad. We will see. It's look, he's not even on the 40 man roster yet. If he makes this team out of spring, we'll have to clear a roster spot. There's a chance he's just cut before spring even comes, and uh, it won't matter. But Riley, I do want to share a story 
about Eduardo Escobar, which um, when I found this out, I thought this was kind of wild. And I think you're going to like this story too. Before I start, Riley, do you have a favorite restaurant? Um, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty basic. I love me a good Boston pizza, shoeless Joe's sure, type, yeah. type place, mm-hmm. you know, sit down. There's a television in front of me, a pitcher, a beer beside me. And in front of me, also a plate of chicken wings. You know, we're pretty basic guys around here, Jesse. We like what we like, but you're talking about a whole other country. I don't know if they got <laughs> chicken wings in Brazil or wherever it was. Yeah. So, so, um, like you, Eduardo Escobar has a favorite restaurant. And this restaurant is a Brazilian steakhouse. It's called Fogo de Chao. Fogo de Chao. Forgive me, I'm not uh, not certain on the translation here. Um, but when he had that MVP season or he was doing really good in 2018, MLB Network did an interview with Eduardo Escobar. And they asked him, where did you get your newfound power come from? And he replied with, I ate a lot of Fogo de Chao. And he started saying Fogo power after every time he hit a home run. So he had a really good stretch of three weeks. And every single time he hit a home run, he would go Fogo power, Fogo power, Fogo power. A few months later, someone asked him, what are you doing for dinner tonight? And Eduardo Escobar goes, 14 million percent. I am going to Fogo de Chao. So this guy really, really, really does love his steakhouse. In fact, there's more from this. Um, The owner of Fogo de Chao. Um, has even made comments publicly about how he loves Eduardo Escobar, how passionate he is about our steakhouse. Apparently, he proposed to his wife at a Fogo de Chao. So that is uh, something pretty wild from him. Um, someone did a study to showing where all the Fogo chains are in the United States. And Eduardo Escobar actually hits better when there is a Fogo within, I think, it's about 15 to 20 kilometers from the um, stadium he plays. So this Fogo power might be a real thing. When he was with the Mets, Riley, he took his the whole New York Mets team and staff to a Fogo de Chao. So he went there. He got there all the time. When he hit his 10 years of MLB service, the Fogo uh, spokesperson and GM wrote him a personal video, which had Eduardo Escobar so like teared up and emotional, he started to cry in the video. So this is wild. They wrote him a personal check for $10,000 saying congratulations on your 10 years of service. Like This is insane how much this guy eats at Fogo de Chao. In fact, there are five major league cities in North America that do not have a Fogo. And uh, one of them was Milwaukee, where he spent half a season. It made so much sense for Fogo to follow Eduardo Escobar around. They built a little pop-up stand of this Brazilian steakhouse outside of Miller Park in Milwaukee. So he could still get his Fogo, Riley. And I've got more breaking news. Take a guess at what restaurant is opening this March in Toronto on Blue Jays Way. Is it... Fogo de it's, Chow. It's Fogo de Chow. They are following Eduardo Escobar to Toronto and are opening a steakhouse near the Rogers Center. So if you want your Fogo power, just like Eduardo Escobar, that's where you got to go. And I thought that was bananas how we how uh, that story went. So we'll get some Fogo power in with the Toronto Blue Jays this year. If I hear you say that word <laughs> one more time, I'm going to jump through this laptop and wring your neck. You said that word probably 35 times five or six uh, at least yep <laughs> yeah okay five or six at least okay <laughs> let me just let me just get in what you just said there yeah Woo-hoo. wow a lot of words jesse um mm-hmm. i love a good food and stuff first of all uh he should get a huge sponsorship deal for that yeah um, he's doing this like, for free too the company is not paying him to say these that things. is that is crazy i like <laughs> i'm I, first of all Jesse, we like food here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're going to be loyal to a chain, a restaurant, whatever, I try and stay loyal, Jesse. 
Prince Edward Pizza, Imperial Sub. <laughs> need, I, need I say more? We try and be loyal to, you know, yep. uh, you know, certain places. This guy, the loyalty and the meaning of this restaurant behind everything to him. I mean, that's like a family, man. Like, that is basically um, – like his his children should have been baptized in there, whatever religion Escobar is. Like that's how much meaning is behind this. Um, like I wouldn't be surprised if you know, at at some point in life, um, when Father Time strikes him, that his that his funeral isn't held at uh, <laughs> honestly that yeah. specific restaurant uh, that mm-hmm. has been said a lot on 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 this. And hey, Jesse, we're probably going to a Jays game this year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know at what point, but we're, we're, we'll obviously get to one. We have to go to that restaurant. And Absolutely there. do. 100. Absolutely got to get some fun. I right will now. say yeah. this for sure. It would be great if we had Eduardo Escobar jerseys, but I don't know if that's in the cards for me. Let's um, wait to see if he makes the team first before we uh, yes. make that purchase. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but we are still going to the restaurant. I, Jesse, personally, I think I, I think he's got a really good chance. I really hope he comes up in the spring. I think he could be a really good tool for us we have a big hole on third base and i think that there was one point in his career it's a no-brainer he was there mm-hmm. i think I, I whether you want to call him a long shot or not i think that he would be a great piece if he's able to play at um at a major league of a uh, replacement or slightly above replacement level man because he can get you some power in that in that left-handed swing all right. Well, let's turn things back to spring training. I got a little bit more to get to, and we are running out of time at the end of this episode. Um, I just want to share some quotes that some Blue Jays have made, because this is the time. This is quote season. Everyone's in there. They're talking to the press for the first time. Uh, the first one, we already talked about Vlad's quote, but Bo Bichette has started doing things like Pilates, swimming, and Muay Thai to his regimen this offseason. He wants to be the Bo Bichette we saw in um, April and May last year and keep that going throughout the course of the season. Because if you remember... Bo did, I mean, he didn't struggle. He was still really good, but he was way better early in the season than he was last season. So he wants to keep that going through the whole season. Kevin Gosman talked about um, relationship in the clubhouse here. He said, we've always been a close-knit group. We do a lot of cool things away from the field to get the families together. He says, I'm probably closer with everyone on this Blue Jays team than I've ever been on any other team that he's played on, which is probably saying something from Kevin Gosman. And, um, ooh, I had one more. Yes, this is from... um, Oh, I think it's about our, I, I forget who it was about, but uh, I think it might've been about Bowden Francis or Ricky Tiedemann, but they want to see him maintain velocity deeper into games, yada, yada. We talked about that earlier. So those quotes, Riley, is there uh, anything that caught your attention? Yes. And it's one of my favorite parts about sports in general, whether you're a novice player, whether you're a professional player, whether you're a high school player, Jesse, South Hastings League doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I think it's the most important thing is is the clubhouse chemistry um, off the field. On the field, obviously, you got to win. But I love the fact that Kevin Gosman said that. He's been in a few clubhouses. He's been in a terrible Boston – or, sorry, Baltimore Orioles clubhouse where they weren't winning and he wasn't performing well. He pitched really well for um, the Giants. I doubt – I don't think he was in the Cincinnati Reds clubhouse too long. But that means a lot. Um, Gosman at this point in his career is probably looked upon as a leader, a veteran arm, if you will. And I think that's really important that he enjoys his time in Toronto, that the relationships are good. I think that's going to really help him down the stretch day to day, probably not so much, but Jesse baseball is a long season, man, 162 games. 
Gosman's pitching once a week. I mean, if 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 everything else is going right off the field, I see no reason why, with the odd time, that things aren't going uh, that things will go right for you on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, ten minutes left, Riley, and let's hammer through some news and notes that have come out through this. Uh, uh, training camp here. Boy, we already talked to Rolvis Martinez will focus on second base this year. Chad Green is switching his jersey number. He will now go back to wearing 57 as opposed to 37. If you're a jersey number type of guy, that was the same number he wore with the Yankees that we saw him pitch at Rogers Center all the time. So the original 57. Riley, at top of your head, last Blue Jay to wear number 57 was? BJ Ryan. No, <laughs> Trent Thornton is the answer. Ah. Number 57 for quite a while. Um, Netflix is making a documentary about the Montreal Expos. Doesn't have much to do with the Toronto Blue Jays, but I think it will be interesting and we will watch that. Um, R.A. Dickey and Edwin Encarnacion are at Blue Jays uh, spring training right now, probably just giving their guidance, giving some tips along the way and what they go. And the last one, Riley, is uh, I guess two things. We'll touch on this one first. And that's uh, Rob Manfred was asked asked about um, the All-Star game finally coming back to Toronto. And he said there are two criteria it's going to take for that to happen. The first one is that it's got to be a long time since you've had one. Well, check. I think the Blue Jays' last All-Star game was 1991, right after the Rogers Center opened, or then Skydome. And then he muttered something along the lines of... Um, the city, we need certain facilities, certain kind of support. I, I didn't really know what that meant there, but uh, it seems like Toronto would be a great place to host an All-Star game. Toronto is a beautiful city in the summer. Um, they hosted an NBA All-Star game, and that went very well. Like There is no reason why the um, Toronto Blue Jays shouldn't be hosting another All-Star game. And if it does, it sounds like it's going to be the 2027-2028 season, somewhere along that lines. So that means, Riley, you and I have until then to get our fame up so that you and I can play in the celebrity softball game. So that's our timeline. Let's get to it. I'm stoked. First, I want to apologize. BJ Ryan wore 52. Yeah. Um, that's whatever. My bad. Relief pitcher numbers. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter too, too much. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm. We need to play in that game. <laughs> um, yep. Yes, we do. Start the campaign and- now. I, oh, it's been started as soon as, we, <laughs> as soon as we logged on three years ago or whatever it was two and whatever. T- yeah. Time doesn't matter. Um, everyone who has supported us up to this point, you guys are awesome and we love everybody and we love the blue Jays and baseball. Yada, yada, yada. Not going to be a sellout. We just want to play baseball and it is every blue Jays fan stream to play at the mm-hmm. Rogers center. Jesse, it's a, it's a long shot. We're going to be sitting in the 500s for the most part, if not for the rest of our lives. But um, I think with the renovations in the city of Toronto, um, I think the renovations mean a lot. I think that since it's been, you know, geez, since 1991, like you said, the Sky Dome opened in, I believe, 80 for the 1989 yep. season. And then, you know, with the rename Rogers Corporation takeover, and we've actually sunk money into the stadium, which I think is amazing. Um, I think we're well overdue and I think it would be a lot of fun. And I think the new Rogers center, I think for a home run derby as well, I think that there's going to be a lot of souvenirs. It's so tight, right? The Rogers center being kind of a, you know, a bowl type stadium, um, and a very close, very close knit, um, seats. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see a home run derby there. Cause I couldn't even tell you who won the 1991 home run derby, but, um, Cal Ripken. You, that could be wrong. That's off the top of my head. Uh, okay, I'm going to go um, with um, b- 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 Cincinnati Reds player 
Um, Eric Davies. Cal Ripken won the 1991 home run derby with you're a, um, you're a cheater. 12 home runs in 22 swings. You're a cheater. You're a cheater. Yeah, I watched wow. the documentary once. I'm also a Blue Jay sicko. So uh, there's that. Yeah. Cal, well, Cal Ripken <laughs> Jr. did not. Whatever. If you know, if you're telling me you're a Blue Jay sicko and you know things from the 91 All-Star game. That that's that's crazy, Jesse. I applaud you for knowing that because I know you didn't cheat. You're an honest dude. Cal Ripken was my guess. I went to confirm it. And yes, I am uh, indeed correct. So point for Jesse on that one. One more note here, Riley. I want to wish a happy, well, two things. First thing, happy birthday, Chris Bassett. Um, another year older for him. Great February birthday. We love good February birthdays over here on Buds and Blue Jays. But I want to wish a happy trails to Hunjin Ryu, who just signed an eight-year deal to go back to Korea, the Hanshua Eagles, I believe it is, where he grew up and he played a lot of baseball there. He had multi-year deals on the table from MLB teams, but he wanted to go back home, go see his family, and go still pitch well in the KBO um, where it all started. Riley, Hunjin Ryu, the signing we got him, I remember it well. I was in a Denny's parking lot at like 12.30 in the morning when the news broke. I screamed and did a fist pump outside of Denny's. I feel like the people inside thought it was wild. Now Denny's isn't even open 24 hours, so you can't get pancakes at 4 in the morning. But I remember sitting there with a buddy at the time, and I could not listen to a word he was trying to tell me because I was so hyped about Hunjin Ryu joining the Toronto Blue Jays. And he is, this was the first signing that the Blue Jays had made where it really did feel like the Blue Jays are now entering that competitive window where now we spent good money to get a guy who was a Cy Young contender for years and a sign from the front office that we were really going to start to push and make good things happen. Do you have a great Hunjin Ryu memory with his time in Toronto? Maybe, yeah, take it anywhere you'd like. Lights out in the 2020 shortened season. Mm-hmm. Um, he was electric with the Dodgers back when baseball was baseball and the, and and the ninth batter was the pitcher in the National League. Those were fun times when when pitchers ERAs from the National League and American League fluctuated by about three quarters of an earned run because of that. And I think there was a year that Hunjin Ryu either finished with a one point something or a really low two ZRA. Um, he was good. I mean, possibly a little bit long of a deal little bit long of a contract kind of kind of squeaked out with us but front loaded on that contract i think that he did get the ball rolling i think that when he first started here that was great he missed a lot of time recently obviously with injuries and that kind of sucked um i hope he goes over to the kbo and is and is very good and and can pitch till he is like a jamie moyer aged guy you know, he might be mm-hmm. only throwing 73-mile-an-hour fastballs, but let's hope the best things for Hunjin Ryu and that he can go back to his homeland, you know, and pitch well for his childhood team. I think that's great. I support that 100%. I, I, do, not, I, I do not think that he will be missed at this point, but I think he started the good starting pitching in Toronto. And for that, thank you, Hunjin Ryu. You are very excellent. Um, when you came as a Toronto Blue Jay and kind of leaving silently because of, you know, the injuries and he didn't get a whole lot of playing time towards the back half of that contract. Yeah. I mean, Hey, he gave some solid starts to the Blue Jays. I think he had a stretch there where he allowed one or run or less in like five of his last six starts or something like that. He was very good in his time here. He did what we needed to do. And I will say when he was on, he was one of my most aesthetically pleasing pitchers to watch pitch. Just the way he would make some hitters look foolish at that changeup, I thought was actually really good. And his stuff never wowed you, 
but he hit his spots consistently. And if you're if you're a fan of the art of pitching, then Hunjin Ryu must have been a very good fun watch for you to see. Uh, yeah, definitely not the flashiest guy, uh, but we, you knew what you were going to get from him, and a lot mm-hmm. of soft contact. And and Hunjin Ryu at the end of the day was a late late comer over to the uh, uh, MLB, and you know had a, paved out a pretty good career for um, an international signing with the Dodgers. And then we were lucky to grab him, man. And I think he'll do fine um, in the Korean baseball organization. Obviously, as a as an old man, by the time that deal expires, but he's going to have a lot of fun, man, and he'll live out his dream. Yep, and I do hope we get to see him in the next World Baseball Classic. Maybe he's an old guy. He's pitching for Korea. It would be really nice to see Hunjin Ryu come back and pitch well again. Um, Riley, that's going to do it for our episode here today. Not much to add. We might end a minute or two short here, but uh, what are you doing this Saturday, 1 p.m.? Want to watch some Blue Jays baseball or what? I am probably going to tune in to see how the boys are in their first appearance. I, I don't know what to expect, man. I'm I'm very excited Obviously, it's it's been a long time. You can only watch so many highlights, right? I mean, it gets a mm-hmm. little stale after a while. Like live baseball, man, like new stuff, new content, mm-hmm. new things mm-hmm. to watch. We get to talk about real things that are actually happening, um, you know, that we see that other people sees. And I know it's not the regular season, Jesse, but it's something. And as much as the stats and things in spring training don't matter, there are some things. That do matter, starting with a guy like Ricky Tiedemann. That matters a lot. Want to see him succeed and do well in his first appearance. Getting our spring training started with a bang, and you can help our show get off to a bang here. Please, guys, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you are one of the many people who commented on our video, thank you very much. Um, glad we were able to get that out there. Please like the cha- uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We want to get you that 500 mark on YouTube, preferably before the start of the regular season, so we can go live on YouTube as well. It would be very good. Riley and I will be back next week. I think we're going to talk. Um, we're going to take a look around the AL East see what our rivals have been doing, see what our biggest competitions are going to be and all that stuff going forward. And then we're in for a big month of March as we get into our season previews, talking X factors, bold predictions, which is always a fun episode. And then our official season preview, we will have all that and more. So please make sure you subscribe and follow along. Riley, any last words before we call our episode here today? Yeah. uh, I'm not looking forward to talk about the Orioles and the Yankees. I can tell you that (laughs) for free right now. Um, I, I, We'll see you next time um, with with half and half good, half and half bad. You got you guys got a baseball game to watch on Saturday. Enjoy. That's right. And then all the days coming after that, as it'll be very good. So we will see you guys next week on Thursday, unless there is some dramatic breaking news between now and then. But until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys. Ha <laughs> ha!